All right, hey everybody, welcome to Valley Creek. Come on, we're so glad that you're here. Whatever campus you're at, Denton, Flower Mound, Louisville, the venue, watching online somewhere in the world. Come on, let's just go ahead and welcome each other together for a moment. We are so glad that you're here. Whatever's going on in your life today, we believe that God has something great for you. In fact, what I want you to know is that hope is here, everyone is welcome, and Jesus changes everything. Hope is here, everyone is welcome, and Jesus changes everything. So I just want to start today by just kind of building your faith and and telling you a couple quick stories. Uh, There was a guy in our city who was so full of despair and depression that he tried to take his own life. And on the other side of, of that whole situation and scenario, somebody from Valley Creek invited him to come here. He came into this place discovered the hope of Jesus, recently got baptized, and is moving forward in victory and in freedom in his life. There's a woman in our city who's been in and out of prison so many times, it's the only life that she knows. And this last time after she got released, she ran into a Valley Creeker who invited her to come to church, and she was so terrified to come because she didn't think that God would want anything to do with her, and she was convinced that we were going to judge her. Reluctantly, she came, and when she walked in, she engaged with one of our guest experience team members, and she flat out said, she said, I've been in prison more times than I've been in church in my life, and so I don't know what to expect. I don't know what you want from me. She was terrified, and she came into the room just like this, sat down, and the grace and the presence of God overwhelmed her as tears began to stream down her face. And for the first time, she felt wanted, loved, and safe. There's a, there's a doctor in our town who was just treating one of his patients. And the patient came in, and he was wearing the Valley Creek Hope Carrier shirt. And they just started having this conversation. And for whatever reason, that day, the doctor started sharing all of his life struggles with the patient. And the hope carrier listened, asked the guy if he could pray for him, did, and then invited him to church. And then that doctor came and brought his entire family. And now they're discovering who Jesus is and what he has done. One more for you. There is a family that used to follow Jesus. It was like a big deal in their life. They came, they were moving forward. They were a part of church. Then life got busy. Kids and sports and activities and all of a sudden Jesus kind of became irrelevant into their life. They drifted away and then recently they woke up and realized life without Jesus is no life at all. And so they've come back, jumped back in, are moving forward, following Jesus. And whether those are your stories, whether you have a story like that or you're a part of helping us create those stories in other people's lives, what I want you to hear from me today is God is on the move. God is on the move and we're moving forward with him. In fact, that's why our theme for this year as a church is to pioneer. So our theme for the entire year is to pioneer, to go to new places, to take new ground, to increase and advance. And and that's what we've been doing all year long. And we've said that pioneers go into the unknown for the good of others and the glory of God. And in the process, they find freedom for themselves. And all year, we've been pioneering, taking ground, moving forward. We've been taking ground in our lives, in our families, in our church, in our city, in our region. And we said that we were created to move mountains, walk on water, and defeat giants in Jesus' name. Come on. But sometimes, the mountains don't feel like they move. 
The water feels too stormy to walk on, and some giants just seem like they never will fall. And so last week, we started a new series called Face Your Giants, dealing with the things that hold us back. Because if you're honest and if I'm honest, we got some giants in our lives, some things that hold us back, some giants that roar and growl and drool and are ugly and intimidating, ruthless and relentless, and they haunt us and they take away the life that God has for us. And we said, so it's time in Jesus' name to deal with those things so we can move forward. And so we started last week by just defining a giant. We said a giant is anything that stands in between you and the promises of God that feels impossible to overcome. It's a giant. It's anything. There are all kinds of giants represented in this room. And just so you know, someone else's giant is just as real to them as yours is to you. You may look at someone else's giant and not understand it and tell them to get over it, get on with it, move on with it. But their giant is just as real to them as yours is to you. And it's anything that stands in between you and the promises of God. You say, what is that? That's all the things that are now ours through the finished work of Jesus. The promises of God are joy, peace, love, provision, breakthrough, healing, redemption, anything that's been promised to us through what Jesus has done. And a giant feels like it's impossible to overcome. The more you look at it, the more life goes by, the less likely you think the thing is ever going to fall. Giants are things like this. Anxiety, depression, mental health issues, shame, fear, insecurity, rejection, doubt, loneliness, religion, bitterness, sickness. It can be things like comfort, convenience, selfishness, finances. There is no limit to what a giant can be. It's anything that stands in between you and the promises of God that feels impossible to overcome. And so the question that I just want to ask you is what's your giant? What is standing between you and the promise of God that's ruthless and relentless and is keeping you from the life that God has for you? See, in John chapter 10, Jesus says the thief or giants come to do three things, steal, kill, and destroy. They want to steal your affection by getting you to focus on them. They want to kill your faith by making you believe they'll never fall. And they want to destroy your destiny by keeping you from moving forward into the life that Jesus came to give you. You see, here's the problem. When you have a giant in one area of your life that never seems to fall, eventually you start to expect and tolerate giants in every other area of your life. If I got a giant in one area of my life and that thing doesn't seem to fall, eventually I start to expect and tolerate giants like in every other area of my life. I start to allow what I see to determine what I believe. And that's a really dangerous place to be because what you start doing is letting your experience dictate your theology. You start allowing your experience to determine what you believe. And so you bring your theology down to what you experience when we're called to raise our experience up to our theology. Listen, I don't want to believe what I see. I want to see what I believe. I don't want to question the goodness of God and whether or not everything is possible. I want to know that God is good and everything is possible regardless of what I'm currently seeing or experiencing in my life. In other words, what I'm trying to tell you is that your giant may be big, but Jesus is bigger. 
The giant in your life, he's real. He's big. He roars, he's ruthless, and he's relentless. But guess what? Jesus is bigger. This is why Romans chapter 8 tells us, in all these things, against any and every giant you will ever face, we are more than conquerors through Jesus. Victory is available for every giant in our life. And so what we're doing in this series is we're basically taking a look at some of the Old Testament stories of guys who went out and actually fought physical giants to teach us how we can deal with the spiritual giants in our lives. And I told you last week, we're basically creating a manifesto, a guidebook, if you will, of a bunch of different lessons on how we face the giants in our life. And I told you, it's your responsibility to watch online. If you're not here, go on YouTube or the website to keep up because all these lessons, they're just going to build from week to week. It's kind of like one giant message broken up into a couple weeks. And what we want to do in this series is have more faith in Jesus than we do in our giants. See, what you have to understand is your future is on the other side of the giant you don't want to face. And so we can't let our giant steal our future. And just because your giant hasn't fallen yet doesn't mean he won't in Jesus' name. So let me give you a really quick recap of the two lessons from last week. This is probably the only week I'm going to do it. Otherwise, you're going to have to go online and check it out for yourself. So real quick, here's how we started last week. We said the first lesson to face your giants is just to admit there are giants in your life. If you were here last week, did you do that? That was your homework. Two of us admitted there was a giant in our life throughout the week. The rest of us need to hear lesson one again because we said it's humility. That's the beginning of breakthrough. That you won't face what you haven't called out and you can't defeat what you're unwilling to define. And we said, it's okay to struggle. It's not okay to lie about it. It's okay to struggle. It's okay that there are giants in your life. There's nothing wrong with you. You didn't create it. You didn't cause it. You're not weird. It's okay to struggle. Your giants are real, man. But it's not okay to lie about it. We got to bring it out of the darkness and into the light and admit that there is a giant that's keeping us from moving forward. And then we said, it's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. It's okay to not be okay, like to have giants in your life, things that are holding you back, but it's not okay to stay that way. Like the giant is not your friend. Don't become familiar with him. Don't hang out with him. He's not your buddy. Never tolerate anything in your life that is stealing, killing, and destroying from you. If Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, then never be okay with the work of a devil in your life. You with me on that? That was the lesson one. We have to admit there are giants in our lives. And the second one was just remember who you are. When you know who you are, no giant can tell you who you're not. You are not defined by the giants you face, but by the God that you follow. And the giants will roar and tell you who you're not. God whispers and tells you who you are. Hear me. You are not your giant. You are not your anxiety. You are not your shame. You are not your depression. You are not that sickness. You are not that insecurity. That's not who you are. You are a beloved son or daughter in whom the father is well pleased. And you don't have to be afraid of your giants because your giants are actually afraid of you. They want you to forget who you are because they know you have been empowered to destroy the works of the devil. They know you have been empowered to take them down. So those were the two lessons from last week. And I brought you to the third one. And I said, all this was building to the third one. And I left you with a cliffhanger. 
And all week you've been wondering, what's lesson three? Right? What's that? You want to know what lesson three is? Some of you are like, no, just let us go. Too bad. Lesson three, you have to get one and two to get three. And this is huge. Let's let truth determine what we believe instead of what we feel determine what we believe. Are you with me on this? Come on, in Jesus' name, it's time to face this and deal with some things that have been holding us back. Lesson three, if you're gonna face your giant, whatever it might be, is simply this. Know that your giant has already been defeated. Know that your giant has already been defeated. Every giant you ever have or ever will face has already been defeated. It's just a matter of time until he falls. If you go back to the story of David and Goliath again, because that's kind of what we're, we're playing on here. We talked about this last week. We said David and Goliath is probably the most famous story in the Bible, uh, but it's not a fairy tale. It's not a fable. It's not just for when an underdog is taking on a champion. It's like a real story that really happened. And it teaches us so much about how God moves in this world. So you have to understand the Philistines, the enemies of God, were facing the, Il- the Israelites, the children of God. And they lined up for battle in this valley. And every day for 40 days, every morning and every night, Goliath, the giant of all giants, would step forward from the enemy's line and would taunt the people of God. He was ruthless. He was relentless. He would mock them. He would insult them. And every time he would come out and begin to roar, the Israelites, it says, in fear, they would turn around and run. Because he was ruthless. And we talked about this last week. We talked about how there's so many days we wake up in our lives and we get dressed and get ready for battle like the Israelites. Like we're going to go to today's the day I'm going to defeat my addiction. Today's the day anxiety is not going to be there. Today's the day I'm not going to feel depressed. And we get to the battle line, the giant roars, and we turn around and we run. Every morning, every night for 40 days. And then David shows up. A little shepherd boy, the least likely person in the story, and he shows up with a staff and a slingshot, and he says, I'll go fight Goliath. And he reaches down, and he picks up five smooth stones, puts them in his pouch, takes one of them, starts slinging it in a slingshot, going towards Goliath, and Goliath says, am I a dog that you come at me with a stick? And David says, you come at me with a sword and a spear, but I come at you in the name of the Lord. Fires his slingshot, hits Goliath in the face, falls face down on the ground. David runs up, takes Goliath's sword, cuts off his head, lifts it up in the air. Some of you are like, there we are with the graphicness again. Why? It's important. We'll get back to it later. And all of the Israelites saw what happened. They cheered in victory and chased down the rest of the giants. That's the story. And what's so amazing about that is out of all of those Israelites, David was the only one who believed Goliath was defeated before the battle even started. Before David even showed up, he knew Goliath was already been defeated. You say, how? Because hundreds of years earlier, God promised that land to the Israelites through Abraham. The moment the promise was given, the promised land, it's promised to them, David knew that no giant could stand in between them and what God had said is legally theirs. He showed up and knew it wasn't a battle. He knew it was already a victory because no giant can stand against the promises of God. He knew Goliath was nothing more than a squatter wielding the weapon of intimidation. Okay, that's us. You see, when Jesus went to the cross, he took all our sin and all our shame and all our brokenness upon him. 
They whipped him and they beat him and they put a crown of thorns on his head and they nailed him to a cross and they put a spear in his side. And with his last words, he said, it is finished. It is finished. And he breathed his last breath and went into the tomb. And three days later, the stone rolled away and Jesus rose again from the grave. And when he rose again from the grave, he defeated sin, death, and the grave. He defeated the king of the giants. He defeated Satan. The king of the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of giants had fallen. The moment Jesus said, it is finished, every giant in your life has already been defeated. They are now... They are now nothing more than squatters wielding the weapon of intimidation. You see, victory is not something we have to go get. Victory has already been brought to us. Every giant you face in your life, you're not facing it for victory. You're facing it from victory. This is why 1 Corinthians tells us, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through Jesus. Victory is a gift God has already given to you. You don't wake up today and have to go defeat your giant and go find victory. No, you start from victory against any giant you face. In fact, look at this next verse, Matthew 28. Jesus says, all authority in heaven on earth has been given unto me. All authority. If Jesus has all authority, then your giant has... Come on. That's all right. My giant has no authority. Why? Because Jesus has all authority. And if he has all authority, then my giant has no authority over my life. Or how about Luke chapter 10? Jesus says, I have given you, not your neighbor, not your other neighbor, you. I've given you my authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. He says, I have given you authority to overcome, to walk in victory over the giants in your life. Victory is not something you have to go get. Victory is something Jesus has already given to us. Are you with me on that? Okay, but that's hard to believe, isn't it? And this is why it's called repentance, changing our mind. See, I realize some of you are sitting here, you're like, that all sounds really good, bro, but my giant is really real. And every day he roars and he growls and he drools and he is ruthless and he is relentless. You're right. And what you need to understand is your giant has already been defeated, but he still fights. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. Your giant has already been defeated, but he still fights. He still roars and growls and intimidates. See, your giant wants to intimidate you to make you forget that you're already victorious. That's what he's trying to do. He knows he's already been defeated. He's holding on with everything he got, trying to convince you that you have been defeated. He's defeated, but he still fights. I mean, it's kind of like, do you remember when Jesus and the disciples got into the boat and they're on the Sea of Galilee and Jesus says, let's go to the other side. The moment Jesus says, let's go to the other side, they're getting to the other side, regardless what happens. But along the way, a big storm comes up and it begins to swamp the boat and the disciples think they're going to die and they cry out to Jesus and he looks at him and he says, guys, do you have such little faith? He says, why are you allowing the howling of the wind and the waves to make you forget that I've already said we're getting to the other side? says, don't let the growl of the giant steal, kill, and destroy from the promises and the life that I've already given you. 
Just because the storm is howling in your life doesn't mean it has authority over your life. In fact, it doesn't. Look at this. Isaiah 54 says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Come on. No weapon, no giant that comes against you shall prosper. But notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say that there won't be any weapons. It doesn't say that there won't be any giants. No, there will be weapons and there will be giants and they will come against you. But they can't prosper because they've already been defeated in Jesus' name. And every tongue which rises against you, you shall condemn. In other words, every time the giant roars, you have the authority to silence him and remind him he's already been defeated. This is the heritage. This is the promise that belongs to us as children of God who have been given righteousness through Jesus. This belongs to us. Listen, let me try to illustrate it for you like this. Think about a snake for a second, okay? Everybody loves snakes in this room? If you do, we'll talk to you after service. That's just creepy. Okay, think about a snake for a second. What happens when you cut off the head of a snake? We're kind of sure, but we're kind of not. We're like, what's the right answer? I don't know. What happens when you cut off the head of a snake? It's dead. Number one. It's dead would be the right answer. It's dead, but there's still poison in the fangs and it still slithers for a really long time. When the head's been cut off, there's still poison in the fangs, but it still slithers for a long time. That's your giant. His head has been cut off in Jesus' name, but there's still poison in his fangs and he still slithers for a while. In fact, you got to go all the way to the Garden of Eden when the snake, the serpent, Satan tricked Adam and Eve into sinning. And after all of that, now he had authority over their life. But God made a promise, a declaration. In Genesis 3.15, God, talking to the serpent, says, One will come, talking about Jesus, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. It's one of the most important verses in the Bible because this is God's redemption plan in Genesis 3. He says to the serpent, to the king of the giants, guess what? Jesus will come and crush your head. You will strike his heel. And that's what happened. On the cross, Satan struck Jesus' heel. But on the cross, Jesus crushed his head. It was over. Done. Your giant has been defeated. Victory is yours. You don't have to go get it. It's been given to you in Jesus' name. But yes, your giant still fights. Are you with me on that? What I'm trying to help you do in this is change some of your theology, some of your beliefs so you understand this. So see if you can catch this with me. Go to the next verse. Here's what Jesus says. He says we should pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He says pray, your kingdom come. What is the kingdom of God? It's the rule and reign of God. It's where things are submitted and surrendered to the lordship of Jesus. It's where everything on earth is done the way that it is in heaven. And let's be honest, there are no giants in heaven. So eventually there will be no giants on earth. But he says, pray your kingdom come. Here's what you have to understand about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has come, but there's more of it to come. It's already, but it's not yet. It's now, but it's then. See, the kingdom has come when Jesus came, but the fullness of the rest of the kingdom will come when Jesus returns again. And so we're stuck in between. The kingdom is here, but it's not fully realized yet. 
And so we live our lives believing that the kingdom is fully now, but knowing and understanding it's also then. In other words, Jesus tells us two things that seem like they're a paradox or they contradict. In Luke 17, he says the kingdom of heaven is within you. But in Matthew chapter 4, he says the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's within reach. It's coming. So which one is it? Is it within us or is it at hand? The answer is yes. It's here. It's now. It's available to you and me. But it's also at hand. And so by faith, we as the people of God reach out and bring more of the kingdom of God into our life. We advance the kingdom of God knowing it's here. And we enforce the victory that Jesus has already won. Here's where we get caught. When our giant doesn't fall when we want it to, the way we want it to, and how we want it to, we usually go in one of two decisions, one of two perspectives. We either get offended by God or we make excuses for God. When your giant doesn't fall the way that you want it to, when you want it to, how you want it to, you probably go in one of these two things. You either get offended at God or you make excuses for God. Like you get offended. You see all this Jesus stuff, this kingdom, it's all a bunch of junk. It's not true. It's not real. He did nothing for me. So I got to go face my own giant by myself. We stop believing that God is good and that everything is possible. Or we come way over here and we make excuses for God. And we say, yeah, but you know what? When Jesus returns again, that's when everything will be. So what we got to do is the giants are increasing in the land. We just got to hold on and make it to the end. It's garbage. Hear me. God doesn't want you to be offended at him. And he doesn't need you to make excuses for him. He, he's, he's fairly confident of what he's doing with the kingdom of God. And he is good and everything is possible. And so what do we do? We live in the tension. We live like the kingdom is now, but we also understand it is not fully realized. So we have to have not just a minute micro perspective where it's like, why isn't my giant falling right? I came to one one hour service. My giant should be gone. <laughs> That's funny. And yet, somebody walked in here today and your giant is going to die in the service. And that's what we believe. But we have to have an internal perspective that says, guess what? My giant, it's not that he will fall, he is falling. Right now, your giants are falling. Why? Because darkness isn't increasing, the kingdom of God is increasing. We got to stop having our faith in more giants rising up in the last days. We got to have faith that more of the kingdom of God is coming in these days. Are you with me on that? See, let me, let me just say to you like this, like real honest in my own life. My 10-year-old daughter, she sat in service last week. And randomly somewhere in the middle of the week, it was just at the weirdest time, she just said to me, she said, hey, dad, she said, um, to face my giant, does that mean I have to be fully healed? Now, what most of you in this room don't know is that my little girl has had a giant of sickness in her life since she's been born. An incurable disease that's been a giant in her life and in our family life, and that giant roars, man. He is ruthless and relentless. He is nasty. He drools. He hounds and haunts, and he doesn't give up. And so my little girl is hearing all this. It's just, to, to face my giant, does that mean I have to be healed? And I said, no, babe. I said, to face your giant means we don't give up no matter what. 
It means we move forward regardless of how loud he roars. It means that Jesus is the one that we follow, that we believe God is good and everything is possible. And we know your giant has been defeated. And so we're walking out your healing, knowing that one of these days he is going to fall in Jesus' name. That, that's what it means to face your giant. You live like the kingdom is now, but you understand it's, it's not already here. And so we stay in between and we have this faith to keep moving forward. See, what I want you to understand is there's a huge difference between fact and truth. Fact is what you can see. Truth is what God has said. And the truth of God is superior to the facts of this world. So hear me. You got facts in your life. Those are the giants. Fact is you're sick. That's a fact for some of you. Truth is by his stripes, you have already been healed. Fact is you've got anxiety. Truth is, he's given you his peace. Fact is, you're depressed. Truth is, he's filled your heart with hope. Fact is, you're lonely. Truth is, he has never left you nor forsaken you. Fact is, you feel insecure. Truth is, you're more significant right now than you will ever be in your life. Fact is, there are giants in your life. Truth is, they've already been defeated in Jesus' name. This is why... This is why in John chapter 8, Jesus says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. free. When we know the truth, it starts to free us from the giants in our life because we know we have the upper hand. We're the victorious ones. Hear me, giants roar facts. God whispers truth. And his whisper has more power than any giant roar. And every giant in your life either has, is, or will fall to the name of Jesus. Check this out. Philippians 2 says, Therefore God exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Come on, grab it by your spirit, by faith. That at the name of Jesus, every giant will bow. Anxiety, you've been defeated. Depression, you've been defeated. Shame, you've been defeated. Rejection, you've been defeated. Whether you're on heaven, earth, under the earth, I don't care where you are. Guess what, giant? You will confess that Jesus is Lord because the king of the giants is dead. You will fall. So hear me. You gotta start taking authority in your life. You got to start waking up and looking at the giant in your life and just reminding it, anxiety, you've been defeated. Just want you to know that today. Depression, you've already been defeated. You can roar. And man, you, you might get the upper hand today, but I just want you to know the battle's already been won. And so maybe you line up for battle and guess what? Today, shame took you down. It roared. It, it got you that. Well, guess what? You wake up the next day and you remind shame. Shame, just wanted to remind you, you might've got me yesterday, but you've already been defeated, bro. Your addiction might have gotten you today. It might have growled and roared and whatever. Just wake up and you say, say it. You got to start. This is what I'm saying. You got to raise your faith, man. You got to start speaking this out loud. You know, like that's just a bunch of phony stuff. No, it's not. It's telling your giant it's already been defeated and reminding yourself it's already been defeated. And as that giant roars and you remind it it's been defeated, it's amazing how it starts to say, roar, 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 roar. That's what you start hearing because you start reminding yourself of what's happened. Come on. One of the things that I love about our church, I love our theology. I love what we believe about Jesus and how we focus in on that. And what I love is that we can read a story of David and Goliath 
and learn so much about David for ourselves. How to have courage, how to face a giant, how to move forward in freedom. But what I love even more about our church is that we're going to take that story and we're going to go up a level and we're going to realize that story is really about Jesus. That the whole Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's always all about Jesus. See, the story of David and Goliath is not about you. You're not David. Every time you've probably ever heard that story preached or read it or thought about it, you put yourself in the position of David. Yeah, today's the day. You're not David. Jesus is David. Jesus is David. You know who you are? You're the afraid army that every day wakes up and can't defeat its giant and turns around and runs away. So am I. It's about Jesus. See, Jesus, the good shepherd, showed up. And when no one else could defeat Goliath, Jesus, the good shepherd, went into the valley of the shadow of death on our behalf. And he picked up five smooth stones and, and he walked into that valley and Goliath, Satan, sin, fear, shame, the grave, cried out and said, am I a dog that you come at me with a stick? Jesus says, no, I'm coming at you with the cross and this is going to be all that's required. And he took the sling and he began to swing it around with a stone in it. What does the stone represent? Stone represents the law. The Ten Commandments written on tablets of stone. The only reason giants have any ability to roar in your life is because we broke the law. We broke God's standard. We rebelled against him. So they get to use the law to punish us, to bring the consequences of death and sin and shame into our life. And so when Jesus puts a, a sling, a stone in his sling and sends it back, what he's saying is, I came to fulfill the law. I came to satisfy every requirement that ever has been or ever will be made upon the people of God. They are free in my name. And he sent that back. And when he sent that stone, it's like the empty tomb, the stone rolling away. All of a sudden, the giants lost their power over our lives. Hits Goliath in the face. He falls face first at the feet of Jesus because every giant will fall to the name of Jesus. He runs up takes the sword of the spirit, cuts off his head, lifts it up in the air. You're like, there it is. Why? Because he wanted us to see Satan had been fully defeated and cutting off his head means he has no more voice of accusation in your life. He can't speak condemnation into you anymore. He can't growl and roar and fear and do all those things. It's been cut off in the name of Jesus. And when he holds it up, all of a sudden we started to believe and have faith. And you remember Goliath said, if I beat you, you'll be our slaves. You beat me, we'll be your slaves. Guess what? Jesus defeated Goliath. So we are not enslaved to giants. Giants are enslaved to us in Jesus' name. Come on. And the reason it's five stones is because five is the number of grace in the Bible. Grace is superior to the law. We've been set free. And when we realize it like that army, we have courage and we run forward and we face our giants in Jesus' name. Come on, this is why 1 Samuel says, the battle is the Lord's. It's not your battle. This series is not called Fight Your Giants. It's called Face Your Giants. Why? Because Jesus has already fought your giant for you. Jesus has already defeated him. We got to stop looking at our giant and start looking at the grace of God and start saying, you know what? I'm going to face you. I don't have to fight you. I don't have to defeat you. You're not going to fall at my name. I couldn't do it. But you're going to fall at the name of Jesus. 
And so guess what? Anxiety and shame and addiction and depression and apathy and passiveness, loneliness, all of it, whatever it is, guess what? You've already been defeated. Yeah, I may not feel like that today, but I'm choosing to change my thinking and I'm starting to look at Jesus. See, face your giant is not your giant and you, and you got to be David and make it happen. No, face your giant is here's your giant, here's Jesus, here's you. Look at Jesus because he fulfilled the law, because he died on your behalf, because he took back the authority we gave to the powers of darkness and defeated the king of the giants. So now the kingdom of giants will fall. You don't have to go do it because he's done it on your behalf. Come on, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, for it is by grace that you have been saved. It is by grace you've been saved, 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 heal, whole, delivered. We like grace to save us for eternity. We like grace to be the thing that takes down the giant of sin, death, and the grave. But then we want to go fight the rest of our giants by ourselves. If grace was enough to take down the king of giants, why isn't grace enough to take care of your giant? Why isn't grace enough for your addiction or your anxiety or your depression or your sorrow or your heaviness or your passivity? Why why isn't that enough? Maybe we need to stop looking at our giants and we need to start looking at the grace of God and say, Jesus, my job is not to fight the giant. My job is is to be focused on the hero and the champion of the story. And his name is Jesus. His scars is our weapon. This is why one last verse for you. 1 Samuel says, so David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. So Jesus triumphed over the kingdom of giants, Satan, sin, death, fear, shame, anxiety, depression, loneliness, addiction, with what? with a cross and an empty tomb. We triumph over our giants with the cross and the empty tomb. You don't have to go fight your giant. By faith, face your giant. And facing your giant is not about your giant. It's about Jesus. Going into the valley of the shadow of death, doing for you what you could never do for yourself. Read the story this week. For Samuel 17. Read it. Just look for Jesus. Jesus is David. That's what he did for you. Listen to me. Fact is there are giants in your life. Truth is they have already been defeated in Jesus' name. So your homework for this week is when your giant roars, say out loud, call him by name. You've already been defeated. Anxiety, I'm telling you, you've been defeated this week. Depression, I'm telling you, you've been defeated this week. And guess what? When you start telling him that, it's going to roar twice as loud because he wants to get you to back off. That's when you know, you know what? You got me today, but I know I'm going to wake up tomorrow. And guess what? There are new mercies every morning. And that victory still stands true today. So I'm going to believe it today, day by day by day. Okay? Close your eyes with me. Here's the question. 
What do you think God wants to say to you today? Like right here, right now in this moment, here's what I would say for you. I feel like the Lord is stirring up your faith. It's really hard to believe that my giant has been defeated when he's constantly roaring. But it's amazing how when we stop looking at the giant and we start looking at Jesus, our faith begins to rise. And so here's what I want you to do for a moment. Can you just picture your giant in your mind? Just, just one. One giant that you feel like is holding you back from moving forward in life. Just, just picture him. And now I want you to, in your spirit, I want you to just look at him and say, you've already been defeated in Jesus' name. By faith, just look at it. You've already been defeated in Jesus' name. You either have fallen, you are falling, or you will fall to the name of Jesus. And maybe you're here today and you've never fallen to the name of Jesus. You've never submitted and surrendered yourself and said, Jesus, I believe that you died for me. You came to set me free. And so I, by faith, believe that you died and rose again from the grave to offer me eternal life, to defeat the giant of sin, death, and the grave in my life. And today, by faith, I breathe that in. Jesus, thank you that yours is the victory, that your kingdom has come and more of it is coming. And so today, we move forward by faith, believing that you are good and everything is possible and that our giant has already been defeated. Holy Spirit, stir up that faith in us this week that we would move forward in confidence and courage and allow the truth of God's whisper to have more power than any giant's roar. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.